Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you made this day. Lord, we thank you that you actually spoke this very day into existence with your words. And then it flows with your creative living power. And we're privileged to walk around in it today. Lord, we thank you for the word of God, that it's not just a piece of paper, that it's packed with power. It's living. It's the only living document, Lord God. And it's, it's the bread of life. We receive it today. We ask you to open our hearts in our ears to hear it. You're speaking to us. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to pop into Acts chapter 6 real quick. We're going to read the first six verses. Okay, oh, sorry. Okay, Acts 6, 1 through 6. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about their Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting, and of all the believers, they said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas. Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. I'm on fire. <laughs> I feel like I'm crackling up here. Okay, let's go also now. Let's skip over just a little bit and go to Acts chapter 8. It's always good to get in the Word of God and read it, right? It's very good that we're reading God's Word. It's alive and we're going to let it speak to us today, okay? We're going to read in Acts Eight, we're going to do the first seven verses. A great wave of persecution began that day. This is a bit later, okay? Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men had came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Wow, that is just amazing. Really cool. And we're going to get now to our last passage in chapter 8. This is where we're really going to focus on this morning. To Acts chapter 8, we're going to read verse 26 through 39. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He, he, was, he was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, <clears throat> there's some water, why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Cool, huh? All right, let's take a look. What really is interesting is that God told Philip to go a different way. Okay? He said, go a different way. Um, some versions will call it a desolate road. Desolate means lonely. No one else goes there. It's unpopular. It's abandoned, neglected, separated, joyless, and hopeless. This version that I read called it a desert road. It's dry, not much signs of life, wild and uninhabited, uncultivated. It feels forbidding. But here's the thing. There were two roads from Jerusalem to Gaza. One of the roads went through a city. It was a populated area. One of them went down this desolate desert road. Philip had just finished preaching to crowds of people. There were miracles happening. I mean, can you imagine how exciting that would be? You've seen lame are healed and, and uh, demons are coming out of people and crowds of people were getting saved. In fact, there was a man in that city, Simon, who was a sorcerer and he had a ton of followers and he'd been in that city for years. And he got saved. Can you imagine what would happen to now that he's gotten saved and all those followers are getting saved? I mean, that is amazing. But God said, don't go down the road that is packed with city and people. Go down this desolate desert road. It was well known. That road was known. Philip didn't have to say, oh, okay, wait a second, God. Uh, let me get out my GPS here because I just don't remember which road exactly is that. He knew where to go. He knew exactly the road he, that God wanted him to take. There was no doubt. And in fact, if you look at it, the eunuch knew too. Because he took that road most likely as a place to have some quiet so he could just read over the Bible after he had just been to Jerusalem to worship. So everybody knew it was desolate. Everybody knew it was a desert road. Now if you stop and think for a second, when we look at the idea of witnessing, we often can think of it in two ways two roads, okay? There's the road where we think it's got to be done on a large scale, it's done to crowds, um, you know, it only is done from the stage, it's done in choir presentations and huge concerts that people host, and we think if I could just get my friend there, they'll meet the Lord. There's the other road where God calls us to reach one, and that one reaches another one, and another one, and another one. God cares about the one sheep. Remember how he left the 99 behind to go after one sheep? So Philip got up and went. It says he didn't even hesitate. He's not in there asking, but God, what about this? And, you know, I've been around for a little God. How about this? And, you know, no, he just got up and he went. He didn't see this desolate road as a place to have some time alone. <laughs> Probably would have felt good. Okay. He said, I'm going to go. He went up and he went. Now, if we look at Philip, though, for a second, he had a servant heart about him. Remember, he was one of the seven men chosen by the apostles to take care of food. Food, right? 
And the criteria for such men was that they were well-respected, they were full of the spirit, and they were full of wisdom. Here's a thought. When we have a cult, we're cultivating a servant heart. We are bringing about a heart for God, right? We are serving people, yes, but ultimately we're serving him, okay? And as we do that, our eyes are no longer on ourselves, but they begin to see out and beyond us and say, what's next? What's next? Who else can I touch? What else can I do? And that is something where we have, sorry guys, I'm not usually having. Thank you. So, it didn't work last time I preached either. I guess I need to go to <laughs> preacher school or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Thank you, sound people. You are the best. I'm telling you, you are the best. And get this, it's not their fault. It was me, okay? I don't know how to put a mic on. Okay, so anyhow, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Okay, so here they are. So, Philip, and you know how when you're serving other people, uh, Philip served those, uh, he was one of the seven men that served because he saw the big picture of the fact that the apostles needed to get the word out, but doing their part of serving the food distribution helped that happen, okay? And so when you look at Philip, he had already in his home church in Jerusalem, he had already been serving the Lord. He already had a reputation, before he was even chosen as one of the seven. He had a reputation. Okay, what's your reputation here at Lincoln City Church? What are you known for? How and where are you obeying God? Let me tell you, the world outside should see that we're different from them. And one way we're different is we're servants. The world does not serve anybody. But if we're going out in the world and they sense that we're different, it's by serving. So here we have Philip. He had been serving in practical ways, getting out food, filling water cups. I don't know what, but he was sent out beyond Jerusalem to Samaria, and we'll see he'll go to the uttermost parts. Remember, persecution has started to sweep the church. Saul was crazy. Stephen was dead. The believers were scattered. Philip had a reputation that sustained him. It directed his path. He was okay going down a desolate path because he knew God was with him. He was, his identity was in serving his God, okay? It didn't matter to him if he was asked to serve five or 50, 10 or 100. His identity was in his God and in doing what God asked him to do. The next thing is to go to them. We have to be aware of who's around us. He's going down this road. You know, he's not taking a selfie every, you know, 50 yards. <laughs> Here's me by a cactus, you know. Here's me by another cactus. You know, no, no, no. He's looking. He's looking around him because how horrible would it be to go all the way down the road and see one of your selfies? Oh, there was a guy there. You know, he's going down this road. He's aware. He hears this eunuch reading out loud. Here's something really cool. The eunuch and the people at that time would often read out loud. That's what they did. He's reading out loud. We need to be always aware also of the Holy Spirit prompting us to go. Philip heard go and he went. He didn't wait for the eunuch to come to him. You know, he didn't run up ahead and, you know, sit there on a stone and wait for the eunuch to come see him. The eunuch said, he's a big guy. He's an important guy in the, in the government. Philip's a food handler, right? Right? Really? So how do we know when the Holy Spirit's telling us to do something? It's not just us thinking it. How do we know? Okay, sometimes we'll have, we'll feel an urge or an impulse to do something like, wow, I feel like I should 
say something. I feel like I should do something. Sometimes we can actually hear God's actual audible voice speak to us. He can speak to you. Sometimes we hear his voice in the quiet of our heart. Mm-hmm. When we, and here's an example. Somebody told me this the other day. They felt like they should do something when they, they saw us pass some people and they felt like they should do something, but they weren't really sure and they passed on. But for days they couldn't get it out of their heart. They couldn't stop thinking about it. And sometimes that's a key. Like, oh, maybe that was God. You know, cause things we contrive, we forget about them pretty quick. Okay. And the more we are in tune with God, the more we obey him. So for me, I'll be doing something. I'll be like, wow, I think that's God's voice. It's safe. You know, I'm doing, not doing anything dumb. Okay. I, I, so I do it and it came out and it turned out it was God. So I can then make a note to myself. Oh, that's how God's voice sounds to me. Okay. I'm going to remember that, you know? So the more we do stuff, the more we obey God, the more we're in tune with him. And he's so good. He's not going to ask you to go out and, you know, Start some, you know, big, huge movement somewhere where nobody, he's going to ask you to obey where in the church. If you can obey in the church, if I can obey in the church, then out in the workplace. Okay. Maybe the, on the workplace out beyond and beyond and beyond. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit though. When he speaks to us, he doesn't yell. He's not loud and obnoxious. He doesn't just bust his way in. He's quiet. And we have to live in a way that keeps us to have distractions at a minimum so we can hear him. That's the tricky part. What distractions are in your life right now that keep your outward focus from being clear to, you know, what keeps you? What distractions are to your heart? What distractions are in your ears that don't allow you to see out here? Are we looking down too much at stuff and not around us? If we want to hear the voice of God, of his spirit, we have to know how he sounds, right? We have to be familiar with what kind of things would he say. If that doesn't sound like some God would say, then it's not God, right? But we get to know what God sounds like by what? Prayer, reading the word, being involved in church and other people. Can we minister to each other and say, hey, I got a word for you. We begin to learn what God's voice sounds like. And you know yourself, okay, this is where you and God got to figure this out, okay? The other morning I got up to read this and I thought, okay, I could read it on my phone or I could get an actual Bible. Yeah. Although there's, so I got this out. There's days when I'm in the car waiting for my kids from school, flick the phone and there's all those pretty icons out there. Some are blue with a big white F in it. Yeah. That's way on the back of my pages, so I have to really work through it to get there. But there's also this little brown icon that looks like a Bible. Challenge yourself to make sure you're clicking on certain things, opening certain things so you know what to hear. But you know you and God. I can't tell you what that looks like, okay? I'm talking to me. Obviously, you can tell what God's dealing with me on because that's what I'm talking about today, <laughs> okay? But you have to know you and God and say, hey, God, what is keeping me from hearing your voice as clear as I want to hear it? And that could be a whole variety of things, Okay. So the next thing is go to their life concerns. Listen to people. Philip heard the eunuch reading from Isaiah. Philip didn't walk up and say, yeah, you know what I love about Isaiah? This is my favorite verse, and this is what I got from that, and this is what I think, and blah, blah, blah. He did not do that. He listened to what the eunuch was reading, and he actually asked the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? 
He wanted to know where the eunuch was at. Are we really, really listening to people around us? Time is short. Philip knew that that road was going to end eventually, and he had better get with it. He didn't talk about the weather. He didn't talk about his latest food distribution idea. He got right to the eunuch. How are you, brother? What are you reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And then guess what? Then the eunuch invited him in to his chariot. Some versions say he actually urged him in. When we listen to people, they will want us to hear them. They have already invited us in. When they start to talk to you, they have already invited you into their chariot. Too many people are already in their lives telling them what to do and what they think. And they posted that about what they think. And they've said it out loud what they think. They need somebody to listen. Whose chariot have you jumped into lately? Hmm, I don't know. I'm thinking it myself. Whose chariot have I jumped into lately? And guess here's the easy part, you guys. Super easy. Is we don't even have to conjure anything up, right? We don't have to try and make something happen. We don't have to stir it up, you know, and get any drama happening so then we can reel them in with the word of God. Philip didn't have to create a circumstance. He didn't have to do it. The circumstance was right there. The eunuch was actually searching for Jesus. So when eunuch, the, when Philip asked him, what are you, what are you, oh, he already heard he was reading because remember they read out loud. He already knew where he was at. And so when he asked the eunuch, do you understand? And so the eunuch's reply was, well, this person that, that, that Isaiah is talking about, is he talking about himself or is he talking about the Messiah? And he had just come from Jerusalem, so you know he's got all these things. So there was no circumstance to create. It was already there. Philip didn't have to create anything. When you go up to somebody and you ask them, how, is, how are you? How is life? And they reply to you, there's your door. There's your window. And it says that Philip didn't go anywhere else in the Bible. He just jumped right from that passage in Isaiah. And he just began to preach Jesus to him. Right there. Right there. It says Philip grabbed his chance. So check out this verse in Ephesians. So be careful how you live. I love the Bible. Don't live like fools. It doesn't beat around the bush, does it? Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This is written a long time ago, but doesn't it sound like our days? Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the best spirit, right? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in the Lord to the Lord in your hearts. So... We really need to be aware what's going on and not think that everything that we're in is just a moment by chance. God put you there for a reason. Get this. If Philip had waited a few more minutes to get on that desolate road and said, oh, God, but I don't know. And I got to do this and that. And he would have missed the eunuch reading that passage. But God timed it just right. When the eunuch or when Philip obeyed, God had it all planned out for him. He didn't have to make anything happen because he was in tune with what God said to do. So how do we even share Jesus with somebody? It says Philip preached Jesus to him. It doesn't mean that Philip said, okay, hold on a second. This sounds serious. Let me get up my pulpit here and get it all stacked up and let me open up all my fancy scrolls and here's my theological degree. Do you want to see it first? No, you don't have to share. Take along a portable pulpit with you wherever you go. 
You share how Jesus changed your life. You tell them about how you too know is true. You tell them your verse. You speak to them your testimony. And you let the Holy Spirit give you the words to say. Now let's break it down into a really simple, really simple idea. Okay? This time of year, in two weeks from Tuesday, people will come to your house. They will knock on your very door and beg for you to open it so you can see them. Granted, most of them are this tall and they're dressed in weird costumes, but they have parents with them and they are your neighbors. They are coming to you. They're begging for your attention. And I'm telling you for the last three years, probably and I'm not here to talk about whether Halloween's right or not or trick or treat or what's the best candy. Okay? Because we all know it's candy corn. But here's the deal. Right. See me after church. <laughs> That's what gets me going through kids ministry is lots of sugar. <laughs> okay? So when these people, I could not handle it anymore. I didn't, and this is me, okay? I didn't want to run from the neighborhood. I didn't want to hide in the house with the lights off because I knew I had the very light sitting next to me and he would not do that. Jesus was in my house. He would not be hiding in the basement from the people coming to my door. So here's what I decided to do. We have decided our family. We line our driveway with games. We make those little kids earn their candy. You better loop a pumpkin or I'm not giving you the Snickers bar. (laughs) But we set out games and the neighbors come. We get to know them. We serve them hot chocolate and cookies and we talk to them. But here's the thing. I couldn't get over the fact they're coming to me. I'm an introvert. I I don't like going to doors and stuff, but they're coming to my door. Okay? But here's the thing that I'm going to go a step further this year. And we're going to even have it available for you guys if you like it. Is I'm going to have a touch card for them. Okay? has our church info on it. My, I'm going to have a blank space on the card that I'm going to decide for me. I'm going to write my name on there, have some verses on it. But we're going to have those touch cards out for you. I talked with Pastor Sol about this, and we're going to have these out next Sunday. However God leads you, it doesn't have to be in two weeks from Tuesday. It could be any time you go to the store, any time God lays it on your heart. Because when I, t- I want those people to get to know me. When I take them cookies at Christmas, I want them to know my name. So I put my name on there and my phone number. Okay, so we're just thinking, how can we make it simple? All you're doing, giving that kid a thing of candy, that's it. Simple. They will love you forever, at least till next Halloween. Okay? Now, the next thing is go to the next step. God will reveal the how of the next step when it's time. After hearing about Jesus, the eunuch wanted to be baptized. Philip didn't start out on this road and see a man coming reading about Jesus and think, oh, I better not talk to him because he's probably one to get baptized and there's no water on this desert road. So forget it. I'll wait till I'm by some water. No, he preached Jesus to him and it says suddenly. It's not great. God's all about suddenly. Okay. He's always doing a new thing along this desolate desert path. There was some water. We don't know how much water. I'm not going to get into that. Okay? So let's take a sidestep just for a second. Is there a place in your life that you feel like you're in the desert and you don't know the next step? I'm here to tell you that God does. If you're looking for something today in your finances, 
If you're looking for something in a relationship, something really personal that you're looking for God, and you cannot see where the next step is going to go, you have no idea. God does. And he is here to meet your need today. You just take the next step and the next step, and he'll make the next one clear. If there's not a next step to take, wait for him to show you. It will be the right thing. God knows what you're thinking. He knows what you feel. He knows what you need. And he has it all taken care of. He's a pretty big God. So getting back to Philip and the eunuch. Suddenly, there's water. It's a miracle. Water in the desert place. We heard about that lately. Water in the desert place. It was there. And the eunuch, powerful guy, commands this guy to pull over and wants to get baptized. And guess what? Here's another thought is God will do things his way. Maybe a new way. When it comes to baptizing people at that time in the early church, and you look at how they'd happened so far, usually there's an apostle around, you know, witnesses, nice big lake. Philip was a food handler. He was not an apostle. He was a servant of God, but God still qualified him to disciple and baptize somebody. There was nobody there to witness the baptism. Does that mean it didn't really count? It counted. God is doing new things. We cannot put God in a box when it comes to reaching people, seeing them discipled and baptized and grown the Lord. That's right. It's a new day. God is on the move. So here Philip did it. He obeyed God. Oh, I'm not an apostle. I'm a food handler. He baptized him. There's nobody to see this happen except the driver. And who knows about him? Don't know about him. Baptized the guy. Done. And it says that God snatched him away. Right then. Some people will disagree about what that means. But here's the point. That I like is there's a sense of urgency in spreading the message. We need to raise up people around us as if we are moving and leaving in weeks or days. Okay? And guess what? Every convert, everybody who accepts the Lord has enough in them to do it for somebody else. They've got Jesus. They can tell somebody else. They don't need to wait for you to stick around or somebody else to do that for that other person. And I'm talking to me here, but sometimes we get in a big hurry to get from point A to point B. Too much of a hurry to stop and lead somebody to the Lord or to find out what's wrong. But I like how Philip here took the time to disciple the guy, baptize him, and God transported him so fast, I think he actually made up time for where he was supposed to be next. So if serving the Lord means I'm going to get transported and save me a lot of time in the end, count me in. So serving God saves lives and time. Just remember that. All right? God is good. He's always got it covered. So today when we're thinking about this, what's your desolate road this week? Not in a month or for the next five-year plan. What's your desolate road this week? Is it a person at work or school or in your neighborhood? who's unpopular, abandoned, neglected, joyless, or hopeless? 
Is your desolate road a way of living your life that seems anti-culture? Not many other people are going to be on that road. But who might you find when you get there? Is your desolate road a new mindset? A new heart set that decides to get out of your comfort zone and be available and obedient to the Lord and talk to somebody? I don't know. It's between you and God. And um, I know I, I mentioned this guy last time, but I cannot get away from him. It's an example of how Dwight Moody was one to the Lord. And I just want to focus on him for one sec before we close. Okay? So this first one, I'm just going to read this real quickly to you. But Edward Kimball was the Sunday school teacher. Remember that guy? Had a class of rowdy boys. I know that never happens, especially not here or over there. But he had a class of rowdy boys, and he knew that this one kid just wasn't getting it. So he decided to go track him down. So he says this. Um, Edward Kimball said this. I started downtown to Holton's shoe store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder... He's human too. I begin to wonder whether I had to go just then during closing business hours or during business hours. Don't we think like this? And I thought maybe my mission might embarrass the boy that when I went away and the other clerks might ask who I was and when they learned they might taunt Moody and ask him if I was trying to make a good boy out of him. While I was pondering over it all, get this, I passed the store without noticing it. Then when I found I'd gone by the door, I determined to make a dash for it. And have it over at once. Don't you love how they talk back then? Yeah. I found Moody in the back part of the store. I went up to him and put my hand on his shoulder. Then I made my plea, and I feel that it was really a very weak one. Wow. I simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love Christ wanted in return. Simple. That's it. And here's what Mr. Moody said later. I had not felt that I had a soul until then. I said to myself, this is a very strange thing. Here is a man who never saw me till lately, and he is weeping over my sins, and I never shed a tear about them. I don't remember what he said, but I can feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder. He didn't remember what he said, but he remembered feeling his hand on his shoulder. People aren't going to get hung up on what you say to them. It's the fact that you took a moment with them. And you did what mattered. Whose chariot this week are you going to jump into? In fact, the other day, um, somebody gave me a praise report. They were at a gas station, and they felt God told them to give money to the lady on the other side. (laughs) This person's like, here's from God a lot. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I I have my kids here. What are they going to think? I I don't know. So they actually drove away from the gas station, but God said, no, go back. (laughs) So they went back, and they gave the woman the money, and she says, you don't know what this means. It just takes an action. It takes getting into somebody's chariot and listening to them. You don't have to have the answers. And guess what? That eunuch... Um, historical reports tell us that that eunuch went on to start a flourishing church. One person affected a nation. He was a high-up guy in the government. And Philip, it wasn't over for him. He went on about doing what God called him to do. He went to the next place. He had a family. He opened his home to the apostles when they would come visit. It said that Philip had four daughters, and they were prophets. His kids didn't fall to the wayside because he helped somebody out. His kids actually got stronger in their faith. And they did even more things than Philip did. He was a food handler. They were prophets. So when we begin to do things for God, that's how our kids get strong. 
Okay. Tuck your toes in a little bit here. Talking to me too. Okay. When we do things for the Lord, our family is strengthened because they see us living our lives in front of them and out to other people. And I'll tell you what, somebody told me this once and encouraged me that when our kids see us doing things beyond them, it makes the world quite a bit bigger. It sees that they are not our world. Okay, and your spiritual children as well, those in your small group, those in your ministry area, when you say, see you begin to go out, they will begin to grow. We're going to worship here in just a minute. Okay, but what I want us to get ready to think about and to pray over is where is it that we need God to remove things that are holding us back from jumping in a chariot? What is that lame leg that is keeping us from jumping in? What is that mindset that has a shackled that we can't see and hear that we are anointed of God? You are anointed of God. Do you know that? You are. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's all you need to know is that you are anointed of God. You don't have to have mountain moving faith to talk to somebody. You are anointed of God. You can do what he called you to do. We're going to pray over that. We're going to pray that God gives us opportunities, that we begin to walk those desolate roads and those desert places where nobody is. Okay? Um, let's just close our eyes for a minute and just give God a moment to speak to us. Okay? Father God, we come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you so much that you loved us and that you care about us, that you've included us in your great plan. You could come down and do this all yourself, but you've decided to use us. And we thank you for that. Lord God, we place our hands on our hearts this morning. Father God, we ask you to move upon us this morning. Holy Spirit, breathe upon us. We pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would come in and blow a fresh wave of your presence over our hearts today. We lift our hands before you and we ask you, Lord God, to fill our minds and our hearts with your thoughts today. We break off in the name of Jesus those shackles that have bound us up for too long. We will go out on our desert roads. This week, and we will jump into somebody's chariot. In Jesus' name, we proclaim it that we are mighty people of God. We will no longer sit still and hold this wonderful message to ourselves. But Lord God, we're asking you to give us the strength. We're asking you to give us the revelation. And we decide that we will obey you. We will follow you. And next week we'll come with great testimonies of how we were used by you. We give you all the praise, Lord, and we thank you so much for using us. We thank you, Father God. We praise your name. Everybody's eyes closed still, because if you don't even have Jesus in your heart, you can't even begin this step. But the second you do, you're good to go. If you've never, ever asked Jesus to come in and be your Lord and Savior, you've never invited him in and say, take control of my life today. I trust you. I believe you're the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. I believe that I need a Savior. And I want you today to come in and take out all those sins out of my life. I want you to come in and be my Lord. If that's you and you've never, ever done it, I want you to look at me or raise your hand so that we can see it. If that's you and you've never done it, If that's you and you need to make a new declaration, a new fresh start with God today,